So, Coach, all, all in simplest, welcome to the show, Fadeaways and Fundamentals. What's up, man? What's up, my man? Thanks for having me. Man, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for being on. Hey, so uh, um, to all of my uh, podcast listeners out there um, in the podcast realm, uh, give me a little insight on your high school basketball. Actually, let's go before that. Who influenced you in basketball? Man, honestly, I didn't really have a major influencer, man. I was raised by a single mother uh, from Belize. I came out here when I was six years old. I just grew up in the park, and I just picked up things from, like, adults that I would see in the park, and it was a passion that just grew, and it, it, it just happened. Like, I didn't have, like, an uncle, a father that took me to the park. I didn't have a coach. I didn't play AAU at all. So um, I didn't play high school ball until my junior year of high school. And it just so happens I played in one of the toughest leagues in California in the country at the time. And, uh, you know, I was successful, and that's how I started getting noticed in basketball. But my passion was more so internal. I just had a love for the game as soon as I started playing, and it just took off from there. Wow. Man, that's deep. I like that. And where'd you go play uh, college? I ended up, when I was in high school, I had a lot of schools looking at me. Um, like just through my competition versus uh, players in my league and conference. And so I had Big Ten, Pac-12, a lot of schools. And my senior year, me and my coach got into an argument and I walked off the bench in the middle of a game. And needless to say, everybody turned their back. I had Perry Watson in the stands who was in Michigan at the time. Steve Lapis from Villanova. Uh, Michigan was a school that I wanted to go to, and I was on my way. I took an unofficial visit that summer. And, uh, yeah, everyone turned their back. Went to junior college. I had my son as a freshman. Sat out a couple years. Um, decided to get back in school, play ball, and UC Riverside picked me up. So I went to UC Riverside. Well, my Division One eligibility ran out because I sat out a couple years um, when I had my kid. Went to Cal Baptist, finished there. And that's... That's basically, you know, me in a nutshell, um, you know, losing opportunities and always bouncing back. Live and learn. Yeah, man, I love that. Man, that's great. Now, what got you into skill training? Um, honestly, it wasn't more so skill training that I wanted to get, get into when I was when I was younger. I more so wanted a coaching mentor. So, like I said, I was a 16-year-old senior. Average 26, 12, and 6 my junior in high school, playing against Westchester, Manual Arts, Fairfax, Crenshaw, Artesia, like everybody, every time I stepped on the floor. So I basically had everything that I wanted in my hand from basketball after just one year. Literally, like I was getting recruited by everybody. Um, and then when I walked off the bench my senior year, 16-year-old senior, I told myself right then and there, man, I want to give back to kids like myself single mother homes and so i wanted to you know that didn't have that whole grasp on what it's like to be a little more disciplined and 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 you know having the father figure in their life so it's like okay how can i give back so kids don't make the same mistake i made so as a as a senior in high school i knew right then and there i wanted to uh coach and and be a mentor i wasn't big on basketball training when it started coming out you know i didn't think um kids needed training i was like man just go play ball get in the park play pickup play against older people and as time went on i saw more and more people doing it and i wasn't a big fan on how it was being done so i you know i got in the race um 
I jumped in the game and it just took off from there. And then, you know, having a kid early as well, it helped because I was all, always around basketball with him at the parks and being his coach and, and trainer. So that's, that's how it kind of evolved. Oh man. I like that. I mean, that's cool. Like I have a, a, a big love for the game and, um, you know, I, once I got hurt and, and, and kind of like I left the game because I was so angry at it because I got hurt and it's not that it wasn't the game's fault. It was just felt like I, I felt like I did everything right. Right. Um, to, and, and it never dishonest the game and had two back surgeries at, you know, starting at 18 and then had another one at like 21. I was just like very upset at the game. But then once right. I started having my own kids and my son wanted to just try basketball for fun, just like he tried soccer, man, I just felt more in love with it. And, and, and what really got me was like what you said, man, I was watching kids at the rec play and I saw these people training them and coaching them. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, it was just a right. slap in the face. And right. I was just like, I, I can't allow this to happen. And so right. I just started coaching and, man, loved coaching. And then I see kids that are, you know, now once you start getting in the mix of, of, of like the basketball community again, <coughs> you start finding people that were like you, people like yourself and people that are hurt, and it's like, man, I got to give back. I can't just coach. I need to preach, and I want people right. like you to preach to them, to tell them there's another thing besides just playing you can do for the love of the game. Or right. or maybe you need to just have your eyes open through a story of somebody to to get you back on the horse to keep playing and keep moving forward. And so, right. man, I commend you for that. I love that. Right, it's funny. Your story sounds similar to my son, man. My son was dealt with a lot of injuries, and he never cheated the game. He worked hard, and he just had, uh, t you know, untimely injuries, and you know, he had a couple shoulder surgeries at the end of his senior year. And he said, "Man, I'm done. Like, I've worked too hard. I was my ankle came back from two broken ankles, and and you know, he 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 didn't love the game for a while. He's back playing now for fun." But same concept, so I, I feel what you're saying with, with the injuries and so forth. But at the end of the day, man, I'm like, if I can teach a kid how to be more passionate about life using the basketball, I'm winning. It's not it's not about being on varsity. It's not about playing Division One, Division Two. It's not about making the NBA. What it is is the challenge to be better than you were the day before. And if you can take, if you can bottle that up, and all the lessons you learn from being between the lines and you apply it in, in, in your life on a daily basis, I mean, I think, you know, you'd be successful. And so that's how my, my training form, I, I was more so like, I'm going to push and push and push and we're going to push the envelope. We're going to be the best version of ourselves we can be. And every day you showed up, I, those were my expectations. And it was never, yo, we need to do this because you got to make the NBA or you need to do this because you got to be a Division One player. You need to do this so you can be the best player in the region. It was like, we need to get this done so you can be the best version of yourself. And when life throws obstacles your way, you've seen it already. You know what it takes to dig in and, and, and overcome. 
And that's what basketball is. Basketball is challenges. You know, we put four challenges in front of these kids, in front of these players, and, and teach them, give them lessons to execute versus these challenges. And if they can learn to apply that in the scope of life, I think we're winning. Now, you said something that's um, – now, if we're talking strictly basketball, so, it's, you know, there's two, there's two sides to it, right? We definitely want our kids to go on, be successful in the sport. And I think you're going to be successful in the sport if you handle the business, you know, just being the best version of yourself daily. Now, though, when you were stating, when you said you went to the parks and, and watching these guys train, a lot of times, like I try to explain to parents, um, be careful. Because although you're in the gym, basketball is the one sport you can actually get worse at, even if you're spending hours doing it. Because you, if you're doing the wrong things, you're actually getting worse. You're better off not doing anything, staying the same, and all the guys will climb you and surpass you. I'd rather you not do anything than go work with someone, and they're having you go backwards. Because now what happens with trainers like me, yourself, Jordan, guys like that, we now have to rewire you before we can build you up. We have to break down the bad habits and the things that you were taught. Then we have to go back and build you up. So it's like double the work. And unfortunately, there's a lot of frauds in this game. And and I'm not saying this in, in, in a hating manner. Uh, and I know today when you give criticism, the word hate comes out. It's not hate if I'm speaking a fact or a truth or an opinion. It's my opinion. And there's a lot of people in this game for the wrong reasons. They're more so. They're more so. They want to collect a dollar, or they want to collect a whole, a bunch of likes on Instagram, and it's not necessarily about the kid or about the player. It's more so about themselves. And I notice it's becoming more and more prevalent today. And it's my constant motivation. Like, how can I stay relevant enough to where I can keep my platform, where I can help as many kids and players as I possibly can to play the game um, the best way um, that I see it. And not that I mean and that I'm the guy that says this way you need to play, but I have enough experience to know what it takes for you to make varsity if that's your goal. If you want to move on to college, that's your goal. And if you want to play at the highest level, let's set you up best way we can to be successful. And I don't see too many guys doing it, unfortunately. You know, so it's – uh. Yeah, it's tough. It's good to see guys like you and, and other guys that I see out there doing it and, and inspiring and trying to do it the right way. Like, you know, that, that that's a good feeling, you know. So, um, yeah, that's basically, you know, where I'm at right now. I'm just trying to I'm trying to stay relevant, trying to keep my platform and do the best I possibly can to do right by these kids. Dang. You just dropped crazy knowledge throwing mad dimes. I mean, I, we could, I could drop the mic right now and end all all other questions, but I'm not. <laughs> Mic <Might> drop. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I, I feel you, man. I mean, I I feel the same way. I mean, I, I like I tell like like you just said, I tell my son the same things. Like I tell him, hey, you may not like what I'm telling you right now. Um, you may not like this grind that we're going all week. Like you might just think it's just way too much. But guess what? Life is tough, and, and life is going to hit you in the face no matter what. No matter what. So uh, this is a life lesson. Like, believe me, if one thing you get out of basketball is you're going to demand respect, you're going you're gonna to give um, effort in whatever you want, especially work, 
and and that's the best key of life. And then if if someone throws darts at you, you know, whether it's through social media, oh, they're bullying me, this and that. Guess what, man? You're gonna just shrug that off because you're gonna go through something with me and with and with this game that's gonna build you up to be a better human being and a better role model citizen. Because one thing I don't like is people disrespecting the game, and I tell them that. I'm like, you can't disrespect the game. I don't like that. So don't disrespect life. So people walk by you. Hey, hello, good morning, how are you? Hey, man, they don't say nothing back. Too bad. At least you said it. Right. Be the better person. So I commend well, you, man. I love that. Every day. Every day. You know, and and unfortunately, you know, basketball is such big business now. And, I mean, and, and I don't want to give a number, but it's a high, high percentage. People are in it for the wrong reason as opposed to those that's in it for the right reasons. And and I know it's hard for parents, novices that don't have don't understand to decipher and weed through who has my best interest at heart or who has my pocketbook at heart, who can help my son or daughter get to the level they need to get to, who's just out here doing stuff for lights. And and you know, basketball is the one sport that doesn't have a governing body, right? Like anybody in the streets can come off can come off and say, I want to be a basketball trainer. Like, there's no prerequisite. There's no qualifications. You don't see football players trying to train volleyball players. You don't see you don't see that on the volleyball circuit. You don't see that in baseball. I don't think you see it in soccer. You don't see in football. Like, basketball has people from all walks of life on the train. And unfortunately, unfortunately it's, um, it's getting worse. You know, and so I think it's such a science to it. And I like to approach it as such. And, for example, if I get a kid and I look at, I, I try to look at the parents, I try to look at the gene pool, and I'm not one of those believers that, thinks, that believe that you tap out athletically based on your gene pool. We're going to push the envelope, but nonetheless, that is something that's there. Um, we look at the style of play and system you're currently in. So I like to work on situations where, Let's make the best version of you, not the best version of Kemba Walker. And I see a lot of trainers, and I'm sure you've seen this before, they'll watch moves that they see on the NBA circuit, and then they'll go back and try to have their player, player A, B, and C, do it. When we're talking about the top 450 players in the world, and of the 450 players in the world, six to only six to seven are, can be ball dominant. Yes. So yes. we have... We're now focusing on the six to seven ball-dominant players, taking their moves, applying it to our kids, and hoping hoping they're going to be that one to six, one to seven. There's only seven players in the world that can dominate the basketball, so why are we spending so much time on doing combos upon combos upon combos upon combos as opposed to just being efficient, one to three dribble move if I don't get off of it, be able to read right P&R actions, hit the open jumper, float like we're all focusing on what the like button is going to get us. And it's not conducive to each, to these players growth. So I actually have a formula I use. I'm not, you know, and, and once again, I'm here and I, and I'm taking this podcast as me and you just talking basketball. I want to learn from you right now as well. So I'm, and I'm always open to sharing information as well. So I have a thing that's called, future touches versus current touches, right? Do we want our players to get future? Yes. Like I always pull out a five-year plan. We want to be five years from now. And then we work backwards.
was, okay, where are we at right now? And where are we at right now, where are we at right now within whatever AAU program you play in or high school program? Where do you get your primary touches? Well, where you get your primary touches within that offense, we need to have, that has to be 60 to 70% of our workout. Damn. 20 to 30, we're going to focus on future touches. But it makes no sense. We're doing a bunch of ball dribbles, shooting three balls, or floater, or whatever the case may be. If you're not getting those touches and you're not in position to get those touches in your current system, no. now we're, we're we're failing you. That that comes with video. That comes with attending games. That comes with communication with the coaching staff. And, and once you master your current role, now your coach or your AAU coach, they may evolve your role a little bit. But if you're not dominating your current touches, why are we doing stuff that you will never do? We're wasting time on things you will never do. So it's um, it's 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 a lot that goes into it. I don't think people know. They just see, oh man, you're a trainer. Well, I don't even like calling myself a trainer anymore. Like, I'm trying to figure out a term that we can use for guys that's really doing it right. Because everyone's a trainer. You know, like, everyone's a trainer. I mean, it's it's crazy. So, um, that's something that I like to focus on. Like, even, like, with some of my pro guys. Like, even So, like, last year, going into Spencer's uh, year with Brooklyn, we did a lot of pick-and-roll threes. Like, guy go under. We shoot right. We did a lot of corner threes, a lot of slot threes, playing off D'Angelo Russell. We didn't know D'Angelo Russell and Jeremy Lin was going to get hurt. But in the workout, we spent 20 to 30% every day also working on his future touches when he has his own team. So, you know, the compound effect, you put money in the bank, if you're getting 20 to 30% return on your money every day, that's still a lot. But we also getting 70% return on your money every day for your current situation. So we're winning. So he ended up being prepared to play next to D'Lo and Jeremy Lane, and he was also prepared to play when they did go down. He was run up for most improved. Now he's doing what he's doing. We weren't spending a lot of time doing a bunch of combo moves. We were doing, chances are, you're going to be in a few pick-and-roll situations. They're probably going to go under the screen because you haven't shot the ball well. We have to be able to shoot that. They go under the screen, we're elevate. We get in the paint, you're 6'6", float game. We spent so much time just doing that. Then we shot a lot of threes within the system that Kenny Atkinson run and he's having success. So that's how I break it down with high school players as well. So um, that's just where I'm at with it, man. I'm, I'm loving, I'm loving it. You know, I'm loving it. Uh, I love seeing guys like yourself, J-Law and guys like that, just really passionate living in the gym, um, you know, and helping these guys get better. Like it's a science to this. I, I really believe there's a science to this. It's not, let's just go roll the ball out. Let's go watch Kimber Walker and have 5-2 slow foot Johnny try to execute Kimber Walker move he's not Kimber like like it's not gonna work you know so anyway man I, I can go on I can go on and on I don't mean to take 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 over the podcast you know, but <laughs> nah, I, I go on man no I love it man Key, you preaching I love that I, I, I'm the same way with my son you know um he he's athletic but he doesn't have crazy athleticism so it's the same thing like you know i know that he likes Kyrie and he likes the steph curry's and i'm like hey man you're i don't want you doing a, a 10 dribble combo move five dribble combo move we gonna keep you basic man you if you catch it at the wing we're gonna head fake we're gonna do a one dribble pool you're gonna do a head fake one dribble side step three pointer two dribble pull i i'm always working his spin move and i'm always working his behind the back because if you rip guy um cut you off you're going around your back or you're spinning off of him 
There's right. no reason to be doing inverted drags and all kinds of crazy, crazy right. stuff. I'm like, that's just, that's not your game, man. That's not, right. you're not that fast. You're not that crazy handling kid like that. And, and that's right. okay because guess what? There's yeah. a bunch of people that are super successful, like myself, that played the game pretty simple and right. was successful. And that's right. what and, you want. And, you want to be successful. To, right. And to jump in on your son, since you brought him up, and I've never seen him play, and to take it even further, if I am going to work on some combos and this and that, the combos that I'm working on is to, is to open up an angle where I'm A to B quick. Because if he's A to B quick, he's good. If, I, if I'm able to get to A to B and get you on my hip, I may never be A to Z quick, but if I go A to B, like in a tight space, first step quick, I'm winning. And I think everyone can develop an A to B quick, and I'm able to shift to the right and exploit that angle. So then the ball handling drills you do now focus more on my A to B, not my A to Z. And and that's, that's something else. So when you start talking about uh, guys being fast, guys being quick, guys doing a lot of dribble. If I get a guy like Mark Jackson, Mark Jackson wasn't fast. But once Mark Jackson got you on your hip, it's a wrap. Yep. And Sam Cassell wasn't fast. Once he got you on your hip, hip, it's a wrap. So it's like you can still train that player to be quick but not fast. And your quickness a lot of times don't even come with foot speed. It comes with ball speed right? and learning angles. And so – you know, it's it's it, it's an, so it goes back to like what, what I started saying prior. I wouldn't train your son to be an A to Z guy. All the drills we would do would be tight space, quick explosive moves. Tight space, quick explosive tight space. Because now once I get a guy on my hip, now I have to learn how to play with a guy on my hip and be comfortable enough. Once he's there, I know I have the I'm winning. Like once you're on my hip, I'm winning. But a lot a lot of guys are uncomfortable in that environment because they're always being taught you have to ha have the full blow by. Not everyone's going to have the full blow by. If I could just get you enough to get you on my shoulder hip, everything I do has to be from that position now. So I don't know. You've probably seen drills where, because um, we follow each other, where I have Shay and Spencer, because they're all so long. They're down almost in a split stance, and I'm applying pressure on their hip. Right. And they're staying there, because they're 6'6 as well. So they don't get low all the time, and then they're not comfortable because they're tall. When they get to the point of contact, they tend to open up and get bumped off their base. So we're working on being strong in that A to B area. And if I can get them strong A to B, and once they get the full blow by, it's a wrap. And so they're both good at finishing because we focus on A to B. We don't focus on A to Z. You're not going to beat everyone A to Z. You're going to beat a very slow percentage of players, regardless of your foot speed, A to Z anyway. You're not going to be able to play A to B, so all the drills should be in that at least 80% should be in that A to B, A to B zone. So goes, you know, I'm glad you brought your son up because that's another thing. You know, I'm never going to tell someone, like I said, you can't push the athletic envelope. We're going to push it. And, but with realistic, with realistic as well, though, like if you get A to Z quick, great. But my focus right now is A to B. And even working A to B, it'll help A to Z. But learning how to go A to B and playing in that zone, it changes your life. It changes your life, you know. So um, it's like a boxing match. Most boxing matches come in close. If I'm always teaching you to hit from the outside, uh, chances are you're not going to win most of your fight. I got to learn how to play from the inside. You know, long arm, short arm, southpaw, 
whatever the case may be, you know, most sporting is there's, there's a level of compact and contact you got to be comfortable playing with. So, and if you get that, I think you're ahead of the game. Oh man, I like that. Now, now, what what, what everything you're doing, um, you know, you train every everybody from you know the pros to to youth, high school, college, uh, boys, girls. Um, what what's your favorite to coach? Man, you know what? My favorite to coach right now is girls. Yeah, it's girls. I, I'm it's coaching honestly, my daughter right now. She's she's great, man. She's very attentive and and she dials in, man. She's a good listener. Man, that's the separation. Now, don't get me wrong. They come with the little testosterone and the little, you know, you got emotions here and there. But man, when I tell you they're gonna run through a wall for you and loyalty. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm big on loyalty, right? Like, I'm big on uh, on energy. You got to match my energy on the court, off the court in life. Like, because a lot of times... Sounds like me. I'm all about the energy. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of times we're doing this, you know, we're being compensated, right? But it's not to the level that, like, people may think all the time. Yeah, you have your clients that can afford you. Then you have those that can't afford you. I'm not kicking anybody out the gym. Right. And I'm not going to treat anyone differently based on who can and can't pay me. But the thing is, don't be the person that can't pay me and your energy don't match mine. Like, and with girls, I don't have that issue. Man, they're running through brick walls. Like, they're, you know, uh, it's, it's just different, man. I, or maybe I've been blessed with some really quality girls, but I love the women's game. I actually, I'm actually starting a little movement. And like a little basketball uh, movement for women, uh, just trying to uh, su- women's women empowerment, supporting the game, supporting women in sports. And I just finished a little logo. It's kind of cool. All the girls like it. So and then, you know, start clinics behind it and just see what I can do before I go. Where I can push the needle a little bit uh, for the women's game. Great. I really want that's, that's cool. Yeah. I it's, love it's that. My what, what it's my passion. What is it? What do you think? Three pillars that makes a complete player. Oh, that is tough. That is tough. That is tough. That makes a complete player. Three pillars, huh? Yep. Hmm. Jeez, I've never even really thought it because I... Hmm. Mm -mm -mm. I'm going to probably go with things that have nothing to do with physical attributes. Good. Uh, um, I honestly think when I'm looking for a player, first of all, and I know coach being coachable is very cliche. But no, that's good. when, When I mean being coachable, I need you to be coachable in your worst moments. Like it's easy to be coachable in your good moments. So there's a lot of guys that, you know, in good moments, you can tell them what they, you know, you can coach me. I need you to be coachable when you go for 12. Yeah. Three, four straight turnovers. You just lost a tough game. Um, that It has to be a complete coachability then, I guess. So a lot of times we say coachable. Yeah, he's coachable, you know, a lot of times. And But I need you to be coachable in tough moments. And, and when, the, when the sink, when the boat is sinking, where are you at? You know, so for example, I know this little picture of Jalen Hands have gone by, you know, but the big fella, and, and, and it's and it's a huge thing, and it's probably going to help Jalen's draft stock. He just went over and picked Moses Brown chin up 
after he missed, I guess, a couple free throws or whatever it was in a close ball game in Oregon. Like, he just went over there and picked his head up as he's walking down court. It was a real simple gesture, but that was huge. Like, they used to have a stat on Steve Nash where, um, and it's not coachable, right, but, like, in a tough moment, he went over there and, 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 and being a good teammate, that's number two. So I guess this all goes hand in hand, being a good teammate, because it's. I think it's easier – to kill confidence than instill confidence. Yes. So if you're good, yes. if you're if you're a good teammate, it's it's hard work to build your teammates up. So back to Jalen Hands and where I was going with Steve Nash. There was a stat on Steve Nash where they charted and it was some number, some astronomical number per game, how many times he touches his teammate. And that's a tap on the butt, tap on the shoulder, you know, high five, just positive affirmation. Uh, nonverbal cues, right? Like, that's huge. Um, so I think uh, coachability, uh, being a good teammate, and I have to throw this one in here. I didn't used to throw this one in here because it should have, it should, it should be, it should be expected, but you have to outwork. Like, and that's something I live off of. Like, that's my little slogan right now. I've been for a while. Outwork. Like, you have to be willing to go an extra mile than the, than the opposing person. Like, you have to. Like, so when now they're talking about, you know, they say a motor. When they say, oh, he has a motor, that's absolutely crazy to me that that's considered a skill. That that was back in the day, like, that's expected. That's like me telling my kid, um, me, me rewarding my kid because he studied. No, you're supposed to study. You're supposed to come home and study. Like, not, oh, man, he's such a good kid, he studies. I don't hear people say that. No, like, you're so supposed to study you're supposed to play the game hard but the fact that people don't do it now um you know you you have to have grit grit so that's the term grit outworking grit love Coach grit role, man love it grit. gotta have it gotta have it gotta, gotta have, have it. that emotional grit love it yeah. i love it now no now now with all of this um what what was your favorite move to do back in the day oh uh, geez uh my favorite move was spin move me too. I like the speed. I, I was a six three point guard, pretty strong. Get you leaning one way, I'm coming back the other. And yeah, spin moves. Spin moves spin move or hard behind the back change. Yep. Ooh, okay. But spin spin move was my thing. I was a big magic fan. You know, magic magic was spinning on them all over the place. <laughs> yeah, he was. What well, who is your okay, so it, let me ask you this then. Your favorite basketball player growing up, was it Magic? Magic was my favorite player, yep. Okay. Favorite Jordan shoe to rock? What happened? Favorite Jordan shoe ever to rock? You know what? Honestly, honestly, I'm the wrong person to talk about shoes because I don't know about numbers. I get shoes. I don't have a clue what number at all. Um, I would think, gosh, I got a couple at the house right now that I love, um, and I don't even know the number of them. I swear I don't. I promise. I like I'm wrong person to ask about shoes. <laughs> all right, uh, it's all good. Okay, now to, I got I got a few more questions. Um, if you were gonna give advice to one parent out there <coughs> listening, mm -hmm. what would that be to a high school parent? Number one. Mm -hmm. Um, number two, what advice do you give to any player from the junior high age? all the way going into his senior year in high school? So first, with the parent, be a parent. Stay out the way. 
Love that. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Like, like, I'm not saying don't be involved, right? Be involved. The pickups, the drop-offs, the feeds, the positive reinforcement. If you have your kid playing for a high school, you chose that high school. You chose the coach. If you have your kid playing for an AAU program, you chose that program. You chose the coach. If you have your kid training with somebody, you chose that person. There's a level of trust that has to happen. So if you're overly involved, it's not helping the situation. It's actually hurting the situation. And if you're overly involved, one of two things, you either don't trust the situation you're in, and if you don't trust the situation you're in, why put yourself in it? Um, so my thing is, stay out the way. Like, be a parent. I wish, a lot of times, I wish I could just, I could have just been a parent. I don't want to be my son's trainer and 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 physical therapist. And, and I wish I could do what parents do, where they drop their kids off and they sit in the stands and they clap and have a good time and enjoy. Like, I'm watching film after every game with my son and, and and you know and I'm the one training them but if you put yourself in a situation you're comfortable in enjoy the process like we tell kids trust the process I want parents to enjoy the process oh I love um, that I'm the same way why do you think I take my son everywhere I can do everything with him I can train him physically mentally basketball all that but I take him to Ryan I take him to Jordan's I take him to Alex Johnson his conditioning coach because right. I really like sitting back and enjoying the process of watching it. Right. Really and then do. here's the funny side to, to come in on you. Now you become more powerful because your words aren't saturated. And when you do say something, it has more meaning because it's not constantly there. So now when you tell your son, man, you know that pick and roll, you probably should have shot at your open. It, it's, it carries more weight than all he does is hear your voice all the time. Right. So now when you do have something to say, it resonates more. And that's what people don't understand. Like, your words actually carry more power. Now, I'm not saying don't ever say anything, but you don't have to be overbearing, right? Like, don't be overbearing because your kids are going to feel that energy and it's not going to help their performance. There's enough that they need to worry about while they're playing the game of basketball. Basketball isn't football or baseball where you play defense, go sit down, you sit at third base. The ball may never come to you for three innings. You're in the infield. Basketball is constantly moving. Your kid's involved in every play. There's five opposing players. There's four teammates. There's coaches on the sideline. There's referees. There's score, score clock. There's time management. There's so many things to think about every single possession that my parent in the stand screen. It's just there's no downtime in basketball. So it's like you overloading. It's actually stagnating. Yeah, I tell my parents all the time: be quiet. Let just just cheer them on. Don't say nothing. Let them be. Let me coach them. I say that all the time. What what advice do you give to a uh, a kid? My biggest thing with kids, man, is time management. Um, you know, like if there's something that you want, and so we're using basketball. Right. And we're using basketball. So I don't want people that, oh, you're just pushing basketball. No. Every doctor, most kids follow in the footsteps, become a doctor. They study science. They musician, pianist. Their kids are doing piano lessons. Like, so we're talking basketball. So I'm just, you know, for our listeners, not you guys are just pushing basketball. It goes back to our, when we start this conversation about life skills, time management. 
if I'm a basketball player, and this is something I want to do, and if I asked you, did you work out today? Or do you work out every day? And you say, yeah. And then your response is, and I said, okay, when? Well, I had practice three or five. You didn't work out. What do you mean I didn't work out, coach? A workout is something that no one else is doing. Yep. It's not what everyone else is doing. So if you consider practice that everybody in America do, every kid does a basketball practice. Every kid, that, what did you do that no one else is doing? So that's why I mean, oh, well, I didn't have time. I had homework. I said, come on, man, it's 24 hours in a day. You go to school. You don't have a job. You have a couple hours of homework. You have a couple hours of practice. Even if it's you coming home at night and rank and cranking out 50 push-ups, 50 cab raises, three sets of two-minute planks, whatever it is that you can do to get the advantage daily, and we talked about compound interest, treat yourself like an investment. If, it's, if you can only do five minutes, make sure it's a hell of a five minutes. And every day, it's compound, compound. In six weeks from now, them five-minute push-ups, you're now doing them faster. You're doing more in the five. If it's just that. But have time management and make sure you're putting in the work that no one else is doing. Yeah. Don't tell me you want to be a basketball player. when in the basketball universe, there's limited spots. They're not opening up spots. There's no new new universities being made right now. NBA isn't opening up new teams. Basketball, there's limited spots. Yeah, I can be a doctor. I can always be a doctor. There's, there's no limited spots. A neurosurgeon, there's no limited spots. There's no limited spots in, in artists, musicians. There can be as many music. NBA is 470. That number's not changing. College, there's only a certain amount of Division One teams. That's not changing. So if you're trying to get one of those limited spots... You got to do stuff that no one else is doing. So it comes back to time management. Make sure time management is sacrifice. Yeah, you have to sacrifice the movie with little Timmy on Friday to go watch the new Batman movie. If you didn't get your work in, if you didn't get your extra work in, don't go watch Batman on Friday. No, I or like Saturday. that. It's all about priority. I love that. Right. You know, now I'm not saying don't be a kid. Be a kid. But that means you really need to lock in on your time management so you can do both. I've never told my son he couldn't hang out, have sleepovers. Just get your work in. Get yeah. your work in. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And not your practice. Get your, your your work in. So, um, yeah, that's it, man. Like, if this is something you really want to do, you, 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 time management, and you outwork everybody. You got to out. You can't. You can't out genetics everybody. You can't out shoot everybody. You can't out. There's just people's gonna be better than you with things. They're gonna be longer, more athletic. But you can outwork everybody that you come against. I don't care who you are. Like the biggest example of it right now is probably the smallest power forward in the NBA plays for the Clippers, comes off the bench, and this man, the last, I feel like the last 15 games is averaging 20 and 10. Montrezl Harrell. There's not a single skill on this dude. He's outworking everybody that steps in front of him. Patrick Beverly, and not because I like him like that. He's he's made himself a great life. He sit down on defense. He died for loose balls. He's for he has the mentality you're not going to outwork, me. and you can be successful with that mindset. Oh yeah, you know, I love that. Yeah, regardless of your skill level, regardless of your physical attributes, regardless of your athleticism, if you have that mentality, man, you're gonna make it. You're gonna make it somewhere. Oh yeah. So so um in this podcast, 
Um, where can people reach out to you if they want to get a hold of you for some skill training, just some knowledge, man? You've been breaking down knowledge this whole podcast. Where where can they find you at? Man, they can. Um, my my numbers attached to my IG. I don't hide from anybody. You know, my full name's Olin Simplest. My website is OlinSimplestTraining.com, and everything has my phone number. I do my best. Um, I respond to every message, um, every text, uh, emails, you know, as busy as we get. One thing I've learned from my mentor, it don't take much to shoot a text back or shoot a message back, you know, regardless. You know, I may not be able to pick up the phone and have long conversations, but I would definitely, you know, I always reach back out. So my IG, my website, email, text, you know, and, and they're all linked in. They're all actually linked into my IG and my website. Um, my email and my phone numbers on my IG. So yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm here. I'm I'm here, and and like another one of my mentors told me, the problem that we have, typically in our community, and when I say that the black communities, we don't share the knowledge. We we like to get it, we hoard it, and we don't let let lift the next man up. Man, the knowledge can't go to the grave with me. So whatever I have, I'm always open. And it don't matter what race, but I'm just saying in our community, we're known to hoard the knowledge we don't really you know help each other out in that regard i've been taught differently man like share what i got and and hopefully you know uh the next man take it and make it better and and that's what it's all about you know so we're all in it you know you know for the players for the kids and for the game you know we got a love for this game we want to see the game evolve so if i can help another guy another player another woman and they can help me and we can sit and break breads i think it's only good for the game so yep. yeah yeah i love that well and at that note man i'm gonna drop the mic